Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello and welcome back to Maximize Your Influence, where we maximize your skills, maximize your influence. In fact, maximize every aspect of your life. This is Kurt Mortensen. This is Podcast 312. As we spend time together to get more persuasion tools so you can persuade with power, we're going to take a deep dive into the Prattfall effect today. I just returned from Doha. That's in Qatar or Qatar, depending on how you want to pronounce it. They are going crazy over there. I guess crazy is not the world. Just a lot of movement, a lot of construction, a lot of building, a lot of commerce happening. They're getting ready for the World Cup in 2022. Spent a week over there certifying charisma coaches and trainers, giving some different tools to be more charismatic, be better leaders. And of course, spent some time with some great people and always some great food on that side of the world. And one of the things that I do when I travel internationally is I bring back food to my kids. Different food than they're used to. Things we don't see here in the United States. Go to the supermarket, just go down the aisles and just find things that you don't see. But I always know anywhere in the world, it's always going to be the chip section that has the most interesting things. This time I brought back some curry potato chips, some squid flavored snacks. My daughter does love the Pringles that are ketchup flavored. And there was one we couldn't identify. It was an Arabic. Couldn't figure out what it was, but they would not take a second chip. Even when I was in Taiwan a while back, getting strawberry flavored Cheetos was an interesting one to bring home. And the kids actually liked that one. So good to be here, good to be back. Let's just dive into it and get into our geeky scholarly article. This comes from the Journal of Public Opinion Research and the University of Michigan. Basically, you're more likely to believe polls when your candidate leads. That people find polls more credible when the preferred candidate is leading. Now, we all know that people believe what they want to believe. And people will cherry pick which polls to trust and support to hear what they want to hear to see what they want to see. And let me add to that too, they also choose the news station they want to watch. I think we all know deep down that all news stations are biased and they tell you what you want to hear. And that's why when election day comes and the results are different than we expect, people get upset. The opponents must have cheated and they point fingers. Says Josh Pasek, professor of communications at the University of Michigan. Now, it's not only for your political candidate, they also found that your view on public policies like abortion and gun control, that the poll is more accurate and credible when the results conform to your own point of view. So basically, accuracy and credibility are assessed in terms of whether the results confirm pre-existing attitudes or beliefs. And they did these surveys with over 900 people, showed them screenshots about the different polls and different people winning and losing. They manipulated them. And they found out you believe what you want to believe, that if it doesn't conform to your ideas or thoughts or to your preferred candidate, you don't believe it. Now, here's the challenge they found is that these biased perception of polls could affect election turnout and voting preferences. Hmm. So if you manipulate the polls, you can manipulate people to vote or not vote is what they are saying. So interesting. Even though the fact is there, here's the poll. 
And let's say it's legitimate poll that even though the facts are there, you've got to deal with emotions and beliefs and changing opinions when you are talking to people and you're trying to persuade different people. Again, another study pointing out the importance of not only using logic, but emotion in your persuasion endeavors. And that brings us to our persuasion blunder. Homer? Go, go, go! This happened to me while I was in Doha. We were at this high-end seafood restaurant. It was late at night, just finishing up. And all of a sudden, this large, well, I'd say medium-sized bug flew in and landed on our table area. And of course, our expectations, if someone's going to take care of this, I mean, it wasn't a huge issue, but then it was just a downward spiral for them because they did not meet our expectations. So my host waited for someone to come over and pointed out the bug, and they said, sorry, which you should do. And they said, you know, it's a bug from the outside, and it's, they live in the trees, and it's really not our fault, but we do apologize. We're like, okay, aren't, don't all bugs come from outside is what I'm thinking. Then she started talking about it was more of a clean bug, not a, one of those dirty bugs. And I'm like, well, that makes no sense. A bug's a bug, right? <laughs> Nobody wants bugs near their food. And then she says, we'll take care of it. I'll go get someone to get that bug. She's going to get housekeeping or something like that. I'm like, wait a minute. And she left and didn't come back for a while. Now, this escalated to the host getting upset that the bug was clean, it was okay, it was not their fault, it came from the outside, there's nothing they can really do, and then had to go get somebody to take care of it. But then I will give kudos to the manager who did finally come over with a sincere apology. And that was probably the big problem. It wasn't very a sincere apology, they really didn't care, they didn't take care of it. But the manager was good, took care of things, got rid of the bug, and gave us a sincere apology. I mean, a bug's a bug, but it always comes back that you just got to make it right, you got to fix it, whether you think it's a big deal or not. The person you are taking care of, you've got to manage those expectations. Or if you don't, that unmet expectation could lead to frustration, which could quickly lead to anger. All that needed to happen was a quick, simple apology, quickly removing the bug, not feed us a bunch of excuses. It would have saved us all a lot of time, energy, and grief. Time for some listener email. Of course, you can contact me at Kurt, K-O-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com or go to MaximizeYourInfluence.com for everything we talk about on the shows, including the articles. You can take your Persuasion IQ test. Get the free book, Maximum Influence, the new edition. Just pick up a little shipping and handling and find out how to get your own Persuasion Coach. Of course, you want to read your email on the podcast, you get free access to InfluenceUniversity.com. All right, this is from Ellen. So, Kurt, we met at your power negotiation seminar. And at the seminar, you talked about how making a mistake can make you more likable. can't remember the name of the technique. Can you review the technique and let me know the name? You bet, Ellen. I think you're talking about the pratfall effect. It's also known as the blemishing effect. Basically, in social psychology, what the pratfall effect is, is that, and the word pratfall comes from when you fall and land on your rear end. And people think that's funny or comical or humiliating. That's where the word comes, pratfall. There's your word of the day. But basically, your appeal or likability will increase or decrease. And I want to make that point clear. It could go up or down after you make a mistake. But here's the key. You have to be perceived as competent. And that makes you more likable after committing a blunder or mistake. If you're just average or not competent, then you become less likable. So this is a it depends factor. 
So when a person makes mistakes or they get a little clumsy, people laugh. They're just found to be more likable because you appear more human. And people who are perfect can seem threatening. But people who are imperfect are safe, which helps them become more likable. Now, let's all start with a researcher named Elliot Aronson, where he had different groups of people. And each group listened to a recording of someone answering these trivia questions. They thought they were an audition for this big television quiz show. So the subject listened to one of these four scenarios. There was a superior person answering questions, an average person answering questions. Then there's a superior person answering questions and committing a pratfall or mistake. And then an average person answering questions and committing a pratfall. Now, let me explain the difference between superior and average. The superior person answered 92% of the answers correctly, while the average person only answered 30% correctly. The superior person also stated that they were an honor student in high school, a yearbook editor, and on the track team. Then the average person said they made average grades, a proofreader of the yearbook, and only tried out for the track team and didn't make it. Now, the mistakes were all the same, but the other recording were sounds of clattering, and the voice saying, oh my goodness, I spilled coffee all over my new suit. Well, I'm sure they use a different tone of voice, but that's what they said. So after listening to these recordings, the test subjects answered a series of questions about their impressions of the person they had heard. And he found the superior people, the smart people, were more likable after the blunder when they spilled coffee on themselves. And he also discovered that the likability of the average people decreased after committing that same mistake. Let me add to this, too, is that there could be a self-esteem issue. When people have a healthy self-esteem or healthy ego, the mistake could hurt the likability, even attitude. If you perceive someone as different, not likable, different attitude, that alone you're looking for things that are wrong and mistakes not going to make them more likable. But these studies are when we meet people for the first time. And if you take the trust course, you know that if there's a minor weakness in yourself, your product, your service, your idea, it actually increases credibility. Not this major flaw, just a minor weakness. People trust you more. There's more credibility. Now, remember, the pratfall effect only works if you're perceived as competent. If you're not the expert, you're not coming across as competent, it's going to hurt that attraction, that likability. And that's true in the marketing side, too. There has to be some credibility there. But you can show a minor, I guess we call it a blemish, that can increase trust. But remember the primacy effect and recency effect. Primacy is what you lead with, the very first thing. If the very first thing that you lead with is that mistake, that blunder, what's wrong with you, your product, your service, your idea, then they're looking for everything that is wrong. In fact, an interesting study by Harold Kelly, students were reading uh, the qualities of this guest speaker that was coming in. They were each given a different list. Half of them were given this list that the speaker was cold, industrious, critical, practical, and determined. And the second group got the other list, which was warm, industrious, critical, practical, and determined. Now, they're the exact same list as you noticed, except one led with cold and one led with warm. Of course, the ones that read the list with warm in front had better evaluations and better feedback for the speaker. In another interesting study, they were approaching students before an exam. Of course, before an exam, your attention's focused elsewhere. Versus they approached students usually walking around campus and offered to sell them a chocolate bar. The chocolate bar was advertised positively, chilled, favored by consumers, did well in the taste test, and then there was a discount. But in this condition, the chocolate bar was described as discounted because it was broken. It was in this little transparent wrapper. It was obviously broken. 
What was interesting, and people in the low-effort group that were just walking around were twice as likely to purchase the chocolate bar after being presented the negative information. While the high-effort group, students were half as likely to purchase the chocolate bar. Meaning those that were preoccupied were half as likely to purchase the chocolate bar. Dr. Richard Weissman also talks about this in his book, 59 Seconds. He found that people find it hard to associate with others who are highly competent, perhaps more so themselves, but warm to others who are flawed and just like themselves because we all make mistakes. Another interesting study at Swansea University, that's in Wales. They were looking at people who admitted to past mistakes in an interview process. So they found those who were doing well in the interview process, like they were on their second interview, so they had proved their competence, that was not an issue, were more likely to be considered for that job as they admitted their past mistakes instead of covering them up. So what does this mean? Well, the area where you make a mistake, first of all, it should not be significant, and it should not show that you're incompetent in your area of expertise. Now, you don't want to be incompetent in the way where people are having pity for you, for example, like if they were acting like a child and they wanted you to act as the role of a parent, have the opposite effect. I think we've all seen a movie star that we liked, that we knew that was competent, maybe trip on the way to get an award or make a little mistake. People just tend to like them more. So making a mistake might sound embarrassing, but it can be a conversation starter. It does put people at ease and can make you more likable. Now, it's how you handle that embarrassment. If you get embarrassed, all upset, you made a mistake, you're mad at yourself, you're mad at others, it's not your fault, you got to handle the embarrassment in a good way for this to work. So committing those mistakes can make you more approachable, less intimidating, but if you're making a ton of mistakes, that's also going to have the opposite effect. So back to brands and marketing, an interesting study was done about cookies. This was done by Adam Ferrier, and they had these people look at these two cookies. The cookies were pretty much the same, but one had a rough edge and the other was perfectly smooth. And when asked which one they like, the one with the rough edge was the overwhelming favorite at 66%. That small imperfection actually boosted the appeal. Because if you're too good to be true, your product's too good to be true, even though it is true, it might not be true to them. There's got to be something wrong, so give them one. A little minor mistake can even make your product, your service, more likable and sell better. One I like was uh, Lion's Cream Cakes. They said naughty, but nice. Okay. I love what Volkswagen did, and this was back in 1959, way back, but people still remember this. Before my time, but there's been a, lots of case studies done on this. When the Beetle came out, they had a couple different ads. One was, this car's so slow, you'd never get a speeding ticket. One was, it's ugly, but it gets you there. Another one back then, when everything had to be big, was think small. And what's interesting they sold more imported cars than anybody that year. Now, this would have blow your mind. This was done by Northwestern University. They looked at product reviews across 22 categories and looked at ratings and the probability of purchasing. And what they found, perfect scores did not help sales. When it's five out of five, that's too high. It's too much. People don't believe it. There's got to be something wrong. What they found, the perfect score was, was between 4.2 and 4.5. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that amazing that if it's too perfect, too good, we don't believe it, people don't buy it, 4.2 to 4.5. Another interesting point is, let's say there's 30 reviews and two or three are negative. People read the negative ones first. That's how we're programmed. That's what we do. So the good news for you is you don't have to be perfect. You can make a mistake. You can have a weakness. People like you better. 
the more similar you are to them, the easier it is to persuade them. And that goes back to similarity theory. The more similar you are to that person, the more likable you are, the better the connection, and they're easier to persuade. In one study, people were asking for signatures. It was a big political campaign. And they found that when they were dressed similar like the people they were asking, they were more likely to get the signature. We know when you're walking in a foreign country, you don't know anybody, and you meet someone from your own country, instant connection. So anything you can find in common with their attitude, their background, even their appearance, increases that connection. In fact, one gentleman I was coaching was trying to influence up, couldn't connect with his boss. I said, you got to find something in common, because what the similarity does, it sparks the relationship. That's what starts a relationship. you got to find something in common, anything. And he found out her thing was Dancing with the Stars. That was her show. And so he started watching it and sparked the relationship by saying, hey, oh, I kicked off Frank last night. Can you believe that? Little things like that will spark a relationship. But a couple rules here. It needs to be something relevant. If you're going to find something in common with somebody, it has to be something relevant. You wouldn't say, you're a Gemini. I'm a Gemini too. If they don't care, if they don't know, that's not going to help. And even more important, it has to be something positive. You don't want to say, you're a convicted felon too. You served time in prison. Where did you serve? Probably not going to help you out in the business world to find something in common that's not positive in their world. And the other piece of this too is being familiar. The more that the person just can see you, be around them, going to lunch at the same time. If you don't talk to them, being in the same room, the same committee increases a connection. The more you're seen, the more familiar you become, it increases that connection. In one study, they were showing people Chinese symbols, people that didn't speak Chinese. And one symbol, they were showing more than the others. And they asked them later, which one do you like the most? It was the one they've seen the most. In political elections, party aside, local elections, one of the biggest indicators of victory, uh, number of signs. Number of signs you've seen makes it familiar and increases that connection. So, Ellen, hopefully that answers your questions. That wraps up our podcast for today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here. Tell your family, friends, and enemies about the podcast. You can go to YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, under Maximize Your Influence. Would love feedback. Would love a like. Whatever you can do to get the news out, that persuasion is the key to success. If you wonder what's taking so long, it always comes back to persuasion, influence, motivation, and even self-persuasion. So think of the Pratt-Fall effect this week. How can you use it? How can you implement this tool in your ability to persuade and influence? And that's the good news. You don't have to be perfect. You can make a mistake. But remember, you got to have your competence first. So master this skill, become more influential, and go out and persuade with power. Power. 